Man, it is it is a blessing to be up here with my family. Um, like Pastor Wade says, uh, we don't get up here and share anything that the Lord isn't uh, affecting us with first in our lives. So uh, I want to share with you just what the Lord is is doing, how he's cutting me and the freedom that it's bringing. All right. So starting in June, all the way back to June, who, who remembers what was going on in June? What sermon series? It's, it's hard, ain't it? The Lord has been shimming our foundation since June, beginning with sermons like Resurrection, the Consequences of Our Faith, and the Eschatology series. How about the, the Faithfulness series? How about the Love and Correction series, even on down to the Marriage and uh, Spiritual Reproduction series? And I'm pretty sure we ain't forgot that yet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure y'all still talking about that in y'all homes. All the way down to the centrality of Israel and how quintessential Israel is to the Bible, its story, and our relation to it. The Lord has been cutting down to the very foundation. How, how many of us remember that word that, that Rick preached about Nehemiah going back down to the foundation? The Lord has been, has been pressing and squeezing us to look at our foundation because he has some things that he wants to get right. We're hearing things on, on Monday night. Uh, it's easy to, to hear a word on Monday night and foundations that is the best teaching that I've ever heard of. Not just that I've heard, that I've ever heard of. And then go uh, a day or two later and kind of let it fall by the wayside. Give me the next slide. But we're hearing things in foundations from the last week, like being active, decisive, and committed. That, that, that's been rocking me. Being active, decisive, and committed to driving out the Saul spirit in us so that the spirit of Jonathan and the spirit of the Davidic king could reign on our hearts. This is what the Lord is doing. This is, this is what, what he's given to us. And we ought not treat this with contempt, what the Lord is showing us on a daily. Through these teachings, he isn't just cutting away at our foundation. He's trying to transform them. If it's, if it's one thing that impacted me from the eschatology series, it's that what I learned about what will happen then, if I apply faith to it, it should affect the way I live now. And the things that we're learning the things that the Lord has given us, if we apply faith to it and diligence to it, it's going to affect the way we're living today. And that's what the Lord is trying to get at. I think the Holy Ghost is being intentional, intentional to address these issues because they are paramount to how we will build for the generations to come. We, we, we talk so much about the generations and the generations and the generations. But ask yourself this question. What kind of foundations would you leave for them would you leave for the generations right now based on what you did today? These are questions I'm having to ask myself. These, these are things that I'm having to kneel beside my bed and, 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 and work out between me and the Lord. And you just get to be a part of me talking about it. So I'm, I'm talking about me first and foremost. And I'm pretty sure I'm talking about you. So where I, where I got this word, uh, kneeling beside my bed, Daniel says something in worship, uh, that struck me. It, it was right in line with what the spirit is doing. He said that the father was was preparing a table for us. He, he had a chair for us and we had to come up and, and, and grab our seat at the table. But what happens when you're trying to you, you're trying to grab your own seat at the table? You're going to decide where you want to sit. You're out of place. Something's out of whack. And, and I got this word because uh. I'm sitting, in, I'm sitting with, with people, I'm sitting with brothers, and I'm sitting with pastors, 
and and something's just off. I'm I'm not holding a fence towards him. Uh, there's not anything that I that I know that I've done in that moment that I haven't got right with the Lord and repented of. But something's just off. And and I go home that night and I'm I'm kneeling beside my bed. I'm asking the Lord like, Lord, what's up? Like like what's going on with me right now? What what is this? And He started to show me some things. It starts with where you found in your fulfillment. Where, where, where are you looking for God's will at? Are you looking for God's will in somebody else's eyes? You're looking for it in, in you know, what people think about you or in, in the things that give you pleasure? Those little, those little, oh, if I could get 10 minutes to do this or 10 minutes to do that, uh, if I could just get some me time. Those, those little things. Where are you finding your fulfillment? What, what I heard through what Daniel said in, in prophecy, in, in worship, is that the Lord has the right and the responsibility of setting you at a table. And if you look for, for fulfillment anywhere outside of that, you're lost. And, and I was lost that night on the side of my bed. And so I pulled out this card, uh, something I learned from Brent when he came down uh, to us from Indonesia. Uh, these are five things that I know that I tend to that are opposite of the will of God in my life. Things that hinder me growing in the Lord. Things that, that, that will not pass through the narrow door that I'm, that I'm praying against, that I'm, that I'm trying to work out. So I'm talking about me. It's easy to talk about a thing or to believe in an idea and not live it. Has anybody else ever done that? Am I the only one? Okay. We just heard in foundations that someone could stand and preach a message and then fall prey to the very same vice not long after. Stand in this pulpit right now where I'm standing. Fall to the very same thing they were praying about. Church, we have to be active, decisive, and committed to not being a victim on Beth Shin's wall. How many don't want to be a victim on Beth Shin's wall? I don't want to be a victim on Beth Shin's wall. So we have to let the scripture cut us. And that's what this scripture has done to me. And I'm praying that's what it does for you. Turn to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 13. That's where we're starting out tonight. You there? Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy... So be holy in all you do. Now, y'all going to talk to me tonight? Yeah. Y'all going to sit there leaning over? I might, I might have to come sit down next to you. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm clumsy. I might trip on the way down. Y'all, y'all be active with me tonight. Y'all, y'all, y'all talk back to me because uh, I, I heard something from Leonard Ravenhill today. He said, you're as spiritual as you want to be. You're going to get as much as you want out of tonight by what you put into it. Be active in your thoughts, casting down thoughts that are not of the Lord and asking them, Lord, what about this is me? And what do I need to do? What's my response? You, you just heard. You just heard. We may know the, thing, that the things the Lord has shown us are important. And the things that he's shown you are important. The things that he's shown uh, your families, vision for your families is important. You're going to go and build a foundation for generations based on what the Lord has shown you. But have we lived like it? Have I lived have I lived like my deed, the, the deeds that I'm showing now, am I laying the foundations for that generation? I keep having to ask myself the question because it's very pertinent to us right now. 
What if we left some meat on the bones? And we don't like to leave meat on the bones. Spencer, we don't like to eat meat on, leave meat on the bones. Amen. Cody, no, I, ain't, I ain't talked to Cody. Andrew, I know Andrew don't like to leave meat on the bones. That boy can eat. I don't like to eat bones either. <laughs> okay, that's, that's kind of weird. All right. <laughs> but, but with the teachings that the Lord has, has given us, with those, those five uh, sermon series and with the, the foundation series, even down to things that we hear in, uh, in men's meetings, we hear some some fantastic things in men's meetings. Can you roll that slide? I'm sorry. I, I want to come back to this because it's important. Something that you hear on, on a Tuesday night, a regular old Tuesday night. Your thought life. They lead to what you do on the daily, your daily deeds. Faithfulness over times come from your daily deeds. The legacy of righteousness will be shown from what you from the faithfulness that you show over time. And that legacy of righteousness is the house that you have to live in in eternity. Tell me these things aren't important. Tell me what the Lord is showing us right now is not important. It's absolutely important. You know, faith is living like you know what the Lord said is true. Faith faith is living like you know what the Lord said is true, so I'm going to do something about it today. But if we're not careful, because we don't see it, because judgment is delayed, and we don't see these things happening, we can kind of just walk on like like, like, like the rest of the world. Living in comfort, lost in, in the lap of luxury. But that's not the place for a son of God. The place for a son of God is to be near the Father. So what if there's, what if there's more to what's been shown? This is something that the Lord met me with. You must master your disciples' teaching before you create your own. And especially when you get up here to preach a word. Oh man, I heard, I heard my word preached last week. I heard, uh, I heard it in foundations. I heard it in this. Oh man, I gotta go find a couple more scriptures or something like that. That does not glorify God. If the Lord is being intentional to say something again and again and again, it must mean that we still have some work to do in that and making those things happen and that He doesn't want to move off of it. So even in, even now, I'm having to put this into practice. I'm not gonna, ma- I'm not gonna go and create my own teaching. I'm gonna master what's been shown me because what's been shown me is right. I've seen the way of life. I've seen the fruit that comes from it. And we have to, I, have to, I have to work that into my life on a daily, a daily, daily uh, measure every day. Something that we just heard. Ezekiel 33. Say there when you're there. As for you, son of man, your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls. And at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. The Lord draws a distinction between those who listen and those who put them into practice. With their mouths, they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. That unjust gain might be some might be something or something that the Lord isn't calling you to that you want. Some other, some other seat at the table than what he's, what he's placed you at. But the Lord has given us good things. He's given us food to eat on for days and days and days and years on throughout eternity. But if I'm looking for that food outside of where he, he said me, what kind of gratitude is that showing? Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs, sing me a love song, with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words. Uh, but do not put them into practice. Church, we, we just got through hearing our pastors uh, lead us into some amazing worship that, that 
led us to the very throne of God in victory. But if I don't come from off of that and seek to put the words that I'm shown into practice, it's just a concert. It's a stage on the stage. And I don't want that in my life first. I don't want that in my life first. But I think that's for us. Second Samuel 18. Ahimaaz. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but I'm the one who got the mic, so it'll be all right. Ahimaaz chapter 18, verse 22. Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, again said to Joab, come with me. Please let me run behind the Cushite. It's a problem when we're trying to run behind the world and things that the world does. But Joab replied, my son, why do you want to go? You do not have any good news that will bring you a reward. Come with me. I want to run. Busybody. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Yeah, you, you might beat them or you might get to where you want to by using the world's, the world's schemes, the world's standards. But you're not going to get the results you want. It, it's not, it's not going to be the thing that you thought it would be. Uh, Pastor Wade tells me often when, when dealing with people and with, when ministering to people. It's like when somebody's trying to fight you to suck, when somebody's trying to fight you to, to not be obedient or to not fulfill God's call on their lives or to not cut away that thing that they know they need to, when somebody's trying to fight you to do that, if you let them win, they lose. If you're trying to fight me from challenging you to do something better with your life than, than, what, you, than what you're doing, if I let you win that fight, you end up losing. And we have to be the kind of men and women who first in ourselves are not willing to, not willing to let that happen. Not willing to, to, to run the world's way to get the world's result and then have people pay the price. We can't be that way. Are you like Ahimaaz, trying to run ahead, but don't have good news to deliver the king? Uh, this, this is a, a scripture that constantly, uh, brings me back and, and stops me in my tracks because I have to, I have to ask myself, Am I trying to run ahead and, and just do something or look a certain way in someone's eyes without having the news that the king wants? Like without having the, the private time that the Lord wants from me, without having the fruit, the, the, the roots that are growing below the surface. Am I trying to grow up? That reminds me of, of something else. In Luke 640. Say there when you're there. It says a student is not above his teacher. But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Growing up, you know, you got your idols. You could literally call them idols. You know, I used to watch Tim Duncan all the time to learn how to play basketball. And I, want, I wanted to wear the, the, the Tim Duncan sneakers. I wanted to have the jersey. I wanted his moves and all this kind of stuff. But I hadn't put in the same amount of work that Tim Duncan was to get where he was. They called Tim Duncan the, the master of fundamentals. He mastered the basics, the fundamentals. That's what made his career. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about sports. It's carnal. It's a, it's a kid's game, I know. But can you run ahead of your teacher uh, and, be, and, and be a teacher without actually having a life that shows that you're like your teacher? This is something I'm having to ask myself, and I think it's a question we all need to. When we see what, what the Lord is trying to show us, when we see these teachings, and, you know, want to go and formulate, man, I got this scripture string, and I got this, and I got that, and I got that. But not stopping to actually figure out, okay, Lord, what does this mean in my life? Show me who I am in this. 
when we're talking about Saul on Monday nights, I'm not even asking the question, uh, you know, uh, do I have some Saul in me? Yeah, I got some Saul in me. I, I need to drive it out. Lord, help me. This is what the Lord wants to do in us. He wants us to, to correct the building before it's built. If you skip ahead in, 40, in verse 46, it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what, what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who, who built the house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. I'm sorry, I'm reading the NIV 2011, so it might not be familiar to most of us. But uh, do we do that? You know, I, I'm having to ask myself this question. Have I been digging down? To the bedrock, however deep that is, however deep I need to go, removing the stones, removing the things that I know aren't pleasing to God. Because, by the way, the title of this sermon is we're, we're running to please the father, running to please the father. It's like 15 minute, minutes late. You read it later. It'd be all right. <laughs> but are, am, am I doing the things? Am I, am, I, am I removing those things that I know do not please God? Say I get corrected and uh, the brother may be right or he may be wrong. Psalm uh, 141 says, 141.5 says, let a righteous man strike me. It's an oil, it's a kindness. So whether or not he's right, if he's right, he saved my life. And if he's wrong, amen, he loved me enough to step out and, and, and try to do something. And I get to die to self. And the call to the gospel is to, to take up your cross. So are we active in removing those things that we know aren't pleasing to the father? What would it look like if you built your foundation up and up and up and up? If you built a skyscraper with no foundation, like literally no foundation at all or a crappy one. What, what would that look like? What does that look? What is that going to look like for your family? You're going to watch them fall. And I, I, I don't want to do that in my life. You're trying to trying to run ahead before the building's finished. Same result. Have you told somebody you had it figured out? As they were giving you instructions when you really didn't, everything looked like it was going good. But deep down, you know that there were foundational elements that God was trying to address in your life. I have. Guilty. I'm guilty. Lord, I need a savior. Let's find it. If we are willing to do that at this point, if we're willing to forego the things that the Lord is actually trying to trying to cut away in us, if we're, if we're not willing to actually sit through those, those words that, that, that tear us apart, it's, tell, it's showing me that, that I don't really want what God wants for me. I want something other than what pleases him. I'm trying to find my own seat at the table. That, that, kind, of, that kind of life, those kind of thoughts that lead to our deeds, that lead to uh, you know, the fruit of our lives, that brings death. It, it, it always brings death. Let's turn to Genesis 8.20. We're going to talk about a man who pleased the Lord. Take me Ark when you get there. <laughs> Ark. Sweet. <laughs> I got y'all to say that. It's on camera. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again 
Never again curse the ground because of the man. Even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Now, church, we live in Houston, Texas, and it'll go from 30 degrees to 80 degrees back down to 30 degrees. So we know that the seasons hasn't haven't changed. We, we, we know that this is still intact. Even though the Lord knew that our hearts are continually wicked and continually need to, needs to be to be hewn out. A man met him with a diligent sacrifice and he kept he, that made an, an eternal covenant. That, that kind of faithfulness and diligence makes an eternal covenant with God that saves people's lives. His diligent sacrifice moved God's heart, literally moved God's heart. That's what the scripture says. Noah took the plans he received and built and built and built. Took a break and built and built for years and years and years. And he didn't see the finished product. No, brother uh, encouraged me last night with something that was encouraging to him. He says, like, man, that crushed me. But I see hope in it because... The Lord gave him 120 years. He didn't say, all right, Noah, build the ark. Okay, tomorrow it's done. No, the Lord is, is taking his time to walk through us with these things. And we ought not grow discouraged. The, discouragement is one of those things that's not for the, for the children of God. And the Lord is, is trying to pull us out of that into the victory that he's called us to live in. To both sit through the word, to, birth, to both hear it. And to know that I'm a son of God and I know who I am and that he hasn't done with me yet. Do you know the Lord isn't done with you yet? Does it always feel like that? Do you live like that? Do we live like it? I don't live like it. Don't don't look at me like that. I don't live like it. (laughs) But this is what the Lord is trying to show us. Is that he's not done with us right now. So if if you're in a a state right now where you you grinding at, at, at the millstone. You, you, you. You're diligent and you, you're not seeing the fruit that you want to see, but you're doing the last thing God told you to do. It's not for you to be discouraged. It don't belong to you. What you got to do when you have that thought, what you got to do when that feeling comes over you. And a lot of times discouragement and fear, it comes over you like a sheet, kind of like a shroud that, that Isaiah talks about in 25, eight, the shroud that enfolds all people. You got to throw it off. You, you got to run from that thought and you got to please the father Amen. because when you run to the, when you run to the father, he renews us. And we're going we to continue to talk about this, but I feel like there's something that, that we need to not just, not just hear, but something that needs to, needs to show up in our lives next week. When you at work dozing off because you're tired, because you've been standing up all night praying because the Lord told you to. We need to take, take, take hold of that. The Lord isn't done with us yet. What about uh, the word Caleb preached last week, the 40-year shortcut, both in Noah's life and in Moses' life? It took them 120 years and 40 years, respectively, to, to work and to be diligent at building the plans. And it took days and months for the Lord to enact that plan. It, it takes diligence over time for you to see what God is doing in your life. But you won't be able, you, you wouldn't imagine what he's going to do with your life if you stay diligent. That, the Lord is encouraging us with that. And on that same token, what if... At the end of the, the, the 120 years, um, Noah took a shortcut. A piece there, piece here. Kind of let that stay when he should have took it out. 
all this kind of stuff. What happens when the floodwaters come on the earth and, and the boat has to float? What happens to his family? See, because Noah was diligent at what the Lord, what the Lord told him to do. And the Lord has spoken to you some things specifically. Because Noah was diligent at doing those things, he saved his family and we live because of it. But what, what would have happened if he, if he hadn't completed the work, if he hadn't rooted out those things that he needed to? That's a question we got to ask ourselves. Proverbs 22, verse 17. Pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your hearts to what I teach. He didn't stop it, just listen to it. He didn't stop it here. He didn't stop it posting it on your wall at home. He said, apply what I teach. And, and mastering your disciples' teaching is taking what you've been shown, what you've been given, the inheritance that is their life's work, and applying it. That's what we have to do to see the fruit that we need to in our lives. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart. So it's pleasing. It pleases the heart. And all of them are ready on your lips. Now, I'm about to ask a question. Don't drop dead. I almost dropped dead when, when, when it came to me. Brother asked me a question. He said, do you remember what you came down to the altar for two weeks ago? Think about that. If the things that the Lord has shown us are foundational, if the things that he showed me last month is what my kids are going to either live on or die on, what are they? We got to apply diligence to ourselves in these matters, guys. We have to really sit and ponder at what the Lord is wanting to get out of our lives and the fruit that needs to come from it. John 5.30 says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. See, Jesus, Jesus was in tune with the Father. He, he didn't have his own agenda. He didn't have his own, his own will. He was in tune with what, the, what God wanted him to do, and that was a pleasing sacrifice. We hear this from time and time again from, from Pastor Matt as he drives this word into our souls. Romans 12.1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, I'm going to need y'all to talk to me. Do y'all want to do God's will? Yes. Do y'all want to fulfill God's will in your life? Yes. Do you want to see it done in your children's life? All right. We have to present ourselves as sacrifices the same way Jesus did, only doing what the father told us to do, only going to the place that he told us to sit at. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We're not going to rush past that. It says I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Is that true? Because I'm, I'm sitting in the mirror uh, looking at myself, reading this word. And I didn't actually do that. That's kind of weird. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm having to ask myself or, or really admit and realize that it's still more of Justin than I care to admit. It's still more of me and the things that I give to the Lord than I, that I would care to talk about on the daily. 
But I can't I can't move past that and expect the Lord to bless anything I'm doing if I'm not willing to, to listen to what he wants to say. Not willing to stop in to hear what he wants to talk about. I'm, I'm not setting the priority of conversation. He gets to set the priority. Have you mastered your father's will before you go and try to create your own vision? Y'all turn to Genesis 37 and we're going to we're going to camp out there. Uh, y'all been hearing us talk a lot about the Padishah. Again, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm probably not, but I got the mic. So uh, it's the, 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 the scheduled reading that, that the children of Israel all over the world are, are studying, have been studying from like for thousands of years uh, where they read certain sections of the word. And we have been blessed by uh, my brother Treaster to come to his house on a Friday night and uh, they have Shabbat Shalom and we sit there, we, we dig into the Padishah. And this, this story about Joseph and his brothers has been, been uh, wrecking me and renovating my heart. And Justin Trista has some, some excellent uh, revelation on, on this part of shot and on Genesis and on Joseph. Um, honestly, we get for free what people are probably paying like thousands of dollars not to get at all. We, we're getting it for free on a Friday night with food. Ella hooking us up. So if you want to hear more about that, uh, you have to go to Justin Treaser. You got to go buy him lunch, uh, buy him a cigar. He likes those. Babysit the uh, the two uh, mighty warriors he got rising up in his home. Uh, that'll be fun for you. And and he'll and, and ask him to show you. Don't worry about that. We're gonna go on this journey. We're gonna we're gonna go on a journey with uh, with Joseph and his brothers. And uh, we all know that song. We hadn't heard it in a while, but you know how I go from the head to the heart. You take me on a journey of letting go and getting lost in you. All right, we know that song, but you know, you know, you know what's, what's crazy about that to me is that most of the time, not sometime, most of the time, instead of getting lost in the Lord, which I desperately want to do, I want to get lost in the things that He's shown me. We just get plain old lost because we live by ourselves. We live by, by our own intellect, our own minds, our own desire and our own wills for our life, we still got another place we, we want to sit at the table other than where the Lord showed us. But the Lord is sitting us at the table. Where were you before he called you? You telling me that's better than, than going wherever he tells you to? I'm telling you you're lying. Genesis 37. And, and I want to preface this, what we're going to talk about, I want to preface this with something. Realize that these are the, the sons of of Jacob, the sons of Israel. They have a promise from God Almighty that's going to come through their lineage. They have a call spoken from God. But there are a couple of things that if if we're not careful, uh, we can we can substitute those things for for God, for for his calling, for wherever he's placed us. We can substitute them for for the things that please him and and find ourselves in a world of trouble. In, in, in the midst of death and, and despair and destruction. But we don't want that. So we're going to go ahead and dig into these things. And I'm asking you to, to, to look at them like I looked at them, like it was me. Because it is me. I'm telling you, the Lord showed me this about me. All right. So Genesis 37, uh, 2. And uh, if any of you got uh, younger brothers and sisters, you'll understand this. And uh, I am the younger brother. I'm the youngest of, of six. So I understand this very well says, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, 
was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the son of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report. Oh, little, little brother go snitching again. But how, why would he be able to give them a bad report? Because they, they, weren't, they weren't doing what the father had told them to do. They, they weren't busy at the grindstone with following the father's vision for their lives. They were all doing something else. And what that looks like in our lives is, in my life, is laziness, is, is, is a lack of diligence. I don't find myself doing what I know God has told me to do. Yeah, I do it for a week. But then I move on to the next thing like God is schizophrenic or something. Have you ever done that? That's not the character of God. And that's not what sons of God should be doing. Now, you you see that contrast in Joseph. Joseph did what the father told him to do. He went and checked on him twice. Let's, let's, Let's read the next time. And Israel said to Joseph in verse 13. Sorry. As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man was found wandering around the fields and a man found him wandering around the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here. The man answered, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Now, I looked at this a while back, and you realize from from where Joseph, the the region that Joseph would have been, should have been, it's about, I want to say, 50 miles to Dothan. I want to say it's pretty far. What are they doing grazing flocks that far away from where their father told them to be? He, he, he gave them a pot of land to, to, to graze, and they're off doing something else. That's what it looks like when we're not diligently, diligently applying ourselves to the things that the Lord has shown us. Uh, that could be at work. Um, we, I try to separate uh, work from uh, Christianity uh, in my, my, my spiritual life all the time. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm diligent when it comes to church. I'm diligent when it comes to preparing the word. But what about getting to work on time? What, what about uh, being 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 adamant about making sure that my work is to the best of my ability and to dealing with all the things that come at me. Uh, I can find myself falling prey to this, but this is not the place for a son of God. So you know what I have to do? You know what, what you have to do? You have to run from that and please the Father. It's going to take a sacrifice of diligence, but you got to run from the things that are not godly to please the Father. We have to run from laziness. First Peter 3, verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. Does that sound familiar to, to the men on a Tuesday night? We turn from evil doing good. We being peacemakers, not peacekeepers. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Who is going to harm you? Who's going to harm you if you are eager to, to give it everything you got? The honest question to that is your flesh. Your flesh don't like it. Amen. Our flesh needs to die. We have to devote ourselves to these things. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. 
You look at Joseph. Joseph went where his father told him to go, and he did what he told him to do. Even when it would, when it would bring about his captivity and being sold into slavery, he did what the father told him to do, and he continued to do it diligently. How about this one? This one hurts. How about this? Genesis 37, verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. When suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. When your leaves get, while your leaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, I've never been guilty of drawing comparisons and uh, being guilty of selfish ambition uh, and jealousy. But then I would be lying if I told you that was true. See, this is something that the Lord is trying to get at with us. Is when you see somebody diligently, diligently at the plow, when you see somebody who has been given a vision from God at work at their craft, is your tendency to, you know, have that shift in your heart like, oh, I'm getting convicted because oh, I should be doing that or or what should I be doing? That's not the way that, that, that sons of God should be, because the truth is they all had a calling. They all had a calling that was from God. But but selfish ambition and comparison uh, wrecked their lives. It even brought death. It brought death to the father, to the father's vision. It brought death to, to, to Jacob's dream, or at least they thought it did without the resurrection power of God. In verse 19 through 20, he says, here comes that dreamer. And they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal has devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Offense comes when your brothers are excelling and putting what they've been taught into practice and you find yourself worn out sitting in their dust. It's tough. I, I, I find myself in this nasty place too many times. To, to really want to admit. But you know what the problem was? Is that I lost sight of, sight of who I was in Christ. And I lost sight of what he called me to do. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm doing what he told me to do. If I'm Noah and he's told me to build that ark. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. And it doesn't matter how they feel about it. I don't care. The Lord told me to do this. I can have full, full confidence. And I can rejoice in the things that, 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 my, that my brothers are doing. And the things that God is doing in their life. But we have to ask that question. Have we been doing that? You know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, sitting, sitting down with a leader or sitting down with a brother and something being strange, something being off, you know, looking for uh, affirmation or fulfillment in, in, in somebody else. You realize that, that these men have given their lives to, to see you do the will of God. They've given their lives to see you do what God is telling you to do. To see you do what's pleasing to the Father in your life. That's what they've devoted their lives to. So why would I be seeking, uh, seeking affirmation or seeking, seeking something outside of just doing what God has made me to do? That's what brings peace to the whole community. And let me tell you something. We need each other. We, we, we can't afford to lose not one more family. We need each other. And we need each other to be striving on to the Lord. I need you to come in and smack me upside the head when I'm not getting it right. And I'll do the same for you. Trust me. If I see it. But we have to be devoting ourselves diligently so that these things can happen. But this one. 
Genesis 21. No, Genesis 37. 21, sorry. Y'all there? Y'all ain't talking to me. Y'all sleep? Who's sleeping? If you sleep, raise your hand. All right. Okay. When Reuben had heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. And I, I'm going to just give Reuben uh, some credit because I never saw that Reuben tried to save his brother. I, I never read that before reading, going through the power show. I never realized that he, he tried to, uh, to do something for his brother. He says, don't shed any blood. Throw him into the, this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. Now, that, that may seem like, like a good thing. That may seem like, oh, he, he tried his best. But, and we're hearing this in Foundations. Uh, half-hearted obedience is not obedience at all. Uh, going halfway is losing the race. Uh, Reuben, in this, in this instance, he, he was half-heartedly righteous. Yeah, it was some righteousness. No, I don't want anything to happen to my brother. But he didn't stand up and actually do what needed to be done. He didn't Except he wasn't really ready and willing to count those costs or what this would take to see the right thing done. And it still brought death to the father's lives. We cannot we cannot compromise, guys. We we cannot go halfway when the Lord is telling us to go the whole way. And this is something. Trust me. I I know I'm 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 struggling with this and and I'm, I'm fighting to have this become a part of my life. But the truth is, it's the standard. The truth is, it's what has to happen. What in your life? Have you gone halfway with that the Lord has told you to go all the way with? We've been half, half, halfway righteous when he's called us to be fully righteous and given us the power to do it. We got to run from that. We got to please the Father. Pastor, say, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say that. What in your life have you gone halfway with and the Lord has told you to go all the way with? We've been, are we being halfway righteous or good enough? Or are we going for the whole thing? And that's God's heart. That's a sacrifice that is diligent. That's a, a sacrifice that's going to cost us. But at the end of the day, it's worth it to our king. Fear and discouragement. And when we, we struggle with this, we, we wrestle with this. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 42. Hear me now. You know what the, the three things above us, the, the, the three things that we've mentioned, uh, half-hearted obedience, laziness, uh, selfish ambition, jealousy, all those things. You know what they do? When you get in, in the presence of, of, of God and when you get around the people of God, they bring fear. They bring, they bring discouragement. It may be, even be some enemy that sowed a seed of fear and discouragement. But when you come into the presence of the king, that's all supposed to change. You see here in, uh, in Genesis 42, verse 21, they said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And just to give some context, so Joseph went into slavery. Uh, he became, through, through his trials and through being diligent at his task daily, he became Zopanapanea, and we, a lot of us know this story. But now a famine has come to all the land. 
And there's no grain in anywhere but Egypt. There's no grain in anywhere, anywhere but the son of God went and, and put his hand diligently to the work. Now his brothers are, are coming needing food and they don't know that, that that's their brother yet. But they, they walk through their life in fear. They're saying this, well, this has come to us because, you know, we did, we, because of what we did to our brother. We're getting found out now. The Lord is, is, is uncovering it. Think about how they would have lived on a daily. Every bad thing. Oh, it's because of that thing I did, that unrighteous thing I did. Because of, because of uh, you know, the attitude I had, because of selfish ambition or laziness. Uh, that's why this is happening. And it bound them. And let me tell you something about, about fear and discouragement. The only thing that we're supposed to fear is the Lord. And we've got excellent teaching. That word fear actually means to exalt the first leader. So to fear something means to exalt it above everything else. That what we're supposed to do to the that, that is what we're supposed to do to the Lord. But if we catch ourselves uh, in a pattern of fear and discouragement, oh, I can't do this. I can't I can't step out and do that. Or, you know, what is going to happen when this or, you know, I, I, I don't ever see this happening in my life. That's not the place that God has called us to. In first John four eighteen, word says that, that there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And the brothers had not yet been made perfect in the in the son's love, but he's about to. But the Lord has revealed himself to us as a brother. Jesus Christ has revealed himself to us as a brother. And there is nowhere that he is not. So in any situation where fear comes, where discouragement comes, how quick are you? To run to the father. How quick are you to run to Jesus and realize that what he said is true above all else? Or do we sit in those things for a while? It's torture and it is, it's not meant for the sons and daughters of God. It's, it's not meant for his family. We have to get out of this. Amen. Genesis forty four sixteen, And we start to see a turn in the brother's life, in the brother's lives. We, we start to see a turn in their hearts and, and Joseph hasn't yet revealed himself to him. But look at this in verse 16. It says, what can we say, my Lord? Judah replied, what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now, my Lord, slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. So now Joseph has caught them in a little trap. He, he's caught them in, and basically uh, he's going to do to them what they did to him. He's going to take from them Benjamin, the youngest brother who was loved by his father, and they're going to have to go through this again. But you see a, a, a turn. They're saying, what, what can we do? They're starting to give up control. They're, they're starting to make this turn to where they're, they're going to become the Lord's slaves because it was God's will for their lives. And we have to turn. Wherever you're at, whatever, whatever you're doing that is not pleasing to the Father, whatever is keeping you from being in that shalom with him. We have to come to this turn where we realize that the Lord has found us out. It's not hidden from him, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants to reveal himself to us. We have to make that turn and give him over the control of our lives because they went from, from men who, who didn't agree with Joseph's position, who didn't agree with, agree with God's plan. And so they went to go and, and make their own plan in their own strength. And it brought about death. But the Lord is bringing them back to actual right alignment and shalom and peace. So what about you? What, what do you need to surrender the rights of control to tonight in your life? What, in what ways do you need to get in line with God's plan? 
Because everything else brings death. It's brought death in my life. I know from personal experience. But I've also tasted the renewal of God. I've I felt the spirit on the side of my bed as I, as I brought these things to him. And he started to breathe his word into me, breathe life into me. And these are the things that are going to save lives. Amen. The, 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 the place that God took Joseph to was to save life. And he, he says it later in Genesis 45. God did this to preserve life. What in your life are you holding back from God that he wants to use to preserve life? We got to give it over. We, we got to give it over. <laughs> All of these things lead into a spiritual famine. Have y'all ever been in a, in a spiritual famine? Yes. Oh, every, yes. Everybody say yes to that because it's true. We've all been in that place where we were spiritually dry and we needed some sustenance from heaven. Let me tell you what these, these famines do. They rob you of purpose, vision. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead my family. They still hope. They, they still the very hope that the Lord has, has died to give us. They still time and time is precious. You realize that what you didn't do yesterday, although you may be able to get it right today, you can't get that back. And that, that's not. That, that shouldn't grip you with fear and, and regret. That should encourage you to make the most of the day. But when we sit around in, in, in fear and discouragement and, and selfish ambition and comparison, all these things that are not pleasing to the Father, you're still in time from yourself. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't steal money from myself. Why would I steal time from myself? We got to root this thing out. And above all, these, thi- these things leave you worn out. I'm going to ask another question. Tell the truth. Have you ever been worn out? Yes. I, I, it don't sound like it. Have you ever been worn out? Yes. That, that place where something's just off and you, you're trying at it, but you know it's some things that ain't quite right. These are, this is what spiritual famines do. But the Lord can take us from that, that moment because it took, it took uh, the Lord bringing Joseph's brothers into a famine to actually get him to turn, get them to turn. It took them, it took him bringing them into a, a spiritual famine and physical famine to actually get them to fulfill a call on their lives. And maybe the Lord is doing that to us. Maybe he's brought us into a famine because we were headed our own way. We weren't getting lost in him. We were lost in ourselves. And so he's bringing us back. Let's see what happens. And I, I, I don't know what your famine is. It may be growing weary and well-doing. Maybe plagued by comparison and selfish ambition. You may be feeling like you're unfulfilled with where you are. Paralyzed by fear and discouragement and uh, continuing to grow weary. These things are burdensome. The, these famines, these things that, 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 can, that tend to, to rest on us, these sheets that, that enfold us, they are oppressive and they're not meant for us. We have to throw them off. If you, if you take away anything from tonight, I want you to remember this. Throw off whatever is oppressive to you and run to please the Father because that's where you find life. Throw off what's oppressive and run to please the Father. You, when you get to a point like, like, like the guy did in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, he says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. When you get to that point where you don't know what to do, where you're done with how you've been living, that was my salvation prayer. Like, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I know what I'm doing is not it. So I need, I need you to show me whatever, whatever it is. 
And I don't care what I think about you. I don't care what I think about my life, what plan I have for my life. If you show me what's real, I'm willing to go with that. I'm willing to forsake all if you show me what's actually true. And that's where the Lord meets us. That's where the Lord met King Hezekiah. And that's where he met Joseph's brothers. Ecclesiastes 2.26. Don't turn there. To the man who... To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing a wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This is what Joseph saw in his life. He, he had, had, had his calling seemingly stolen. He had had his, uh, his dreams crushed. The dreams that he got from the Lord. But because he pleased the Lord, the Lord gave him wisdom, knowledge. And at the end, it turned out better. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Does some pride need to die tonight? Does some pride need to be put to death tonight so you can actually please the father? You have to be active, decisive and committed about doing what the Lord has shown you to do with those things specifically. Being diligent to applying his word to those things specifically and your actions. Proverbs 4, verse 10. Listen, my son, and accept what I say. And here the years and the years of your life will be many. I will instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along the straight path. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Have you been guarding the things that the Lord has given you like it's your life? It's life. And it's not just life for you. It's life for the people that God is calling you to. But what happens if the if the floodwaters come and the boat isn't ready? What happens if you get there and you don't have what you need because you're caught in the the those five things that we talked about before? They don't get life. Are you willing to live with that? I'm not I'm not willing to live with that. My flesh is willing to live with that, but I'm not willing to live with that. We're gonna crucify it. We we're gonna overcome by the by the power of the Lord. Joseph's brothers, they went from sons who had put their father's, to de- their father's dreams to death to brothers who had become slaves for their father's vision. Are you a slave for your father's vision? Well, we came from somewhere. I had to come from, I had to come from putting things to death to actually becoming a slave to his vision. And what joy that brings the father. They went from men who had actually killed their brother to, to walking out what John 15, 13 says. Greater, greater love has, this, has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this to lay down, his, lay down one's life for one's friend. Sorry. At that point, when they got to the point where they were willing to die to their ambitions, to die to their own seat at the table and sit where the Lord told them to sit, when they got to that point, Joseph couldn't contain himself. The savior of the world at the time could not contain himself. He revealed himself to them, and he was not ashamed to call them brothers. He renewed their callings. He fulfilled the promises long ago spoken. They encountered the mercy of a king and were reconciled to God. This aroma is pleasing in God's sight. Do y'all see something in this? Do you see what is the Lord showing you what needs to happen for this to take place in your life? Because he's showing me what needs to take place in my life. And the answer is, I need to put my head to the ground. I need to put my, my hands to the millstone and get to work at these things. Because when I do, they'll bring life. 1 Corinthians 1, 
Verse 5. For in him you have been enriched in every way. You need not say you don't have what it, what it takes. You need not say I'm too young. You need not say uh, uh, I, don't, I don't have the gifting. That's not true. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. And I've seen fruit in everybody's here's lives. Just in a short time I've been here, I've learned so much from you guys. And it, it's, it's kept my walk afloat. Now we have to continue that so that more, pe- more, more uh, fruit can come into the, the, the storehouse. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, is faithful. The same God who called you is the same God who is faithful to deliver. Based upon your obedience and your submission to him, based upon you trusting him and actually doing what he's told you to do, that God who has said you sit here with me at my table, that God will also bring you to that table. But you have to apply these things to our we have to apply these things to our lives. All right, we're we're approaching the close, and I don't I don't want to lose y'all. I know it's a Wednesday night, we're tired, it's been a long day. But but don't don't lose me right now. I don't know what your question is. I don't know what the Lord is convicting you of. I don't know what He's calling you to. I don't know how He's encouraging you. But we have one standard. We have one answer for many different problems. And it's to run from lies. To run from your flesh, to run from the things that you know don't please the Father, and run to please the Father. What we got to do? One more time. All right, y'all up now. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, "Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm on the solid rock that God has planted you on." Scripture doesn't say that, of course. I'm, I got the mic. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm on what God has placed you on. The teaching. The rebuking, the training, the righteousness. Stand firm on that. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Husbands, the, the words that you sow into your families, the words that you sow into your children's, the diligence at which you approach your lives, the, the integrity with which men in this church actually live as Christians is not in vain. Wives, the, the time you spend raising your children, teaching them to be godly, uh, submitting to your husbands, Doing what God has called you to do. Uh, stirring up those spiritual gifts, the, the, the fruits of the spirit that he's giving you. Those are not in vain. We're going to get our reward in the end, but we have to be faithful for now. We haven't hit that 120 year, year mark yet. We have to be faithful right now. We have to run from the things that keep us from it and run to please the Father. That's my last scripture. Y'all go come up. I turn to 1 Timothy 4.14. Church said in the beginning, all the way back since, uh, since June, the Lord has been speaking to us. Uh, and he's been speaking to us so that our lives would change. He's been speaking to us to make an impact on the community around us. We need not sit in those things that bring death, that don't bring any life. We need to run to the things that please the Father. But the question is, have you counted that cost? Are you going to do it? I can talk about what I need to do all day long. But until I make a decision to actually move forward with what God has called me to, nothing changes. We have to be active, decisive, and committed to rooting these things out of our lives. In 1 Timothy uh, 
4.14. It says, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Every one of us has a gift from heaven that the Lord has bestowed upon us. And it's not just for church service. Prophecy isn't just for, for the service. What about at work? When, when, when the Lord is calling you to, to prophesy over your coworkers or to speak into their life. Fathers, what about the, the gift of teaching that the Lord has given you to sit your family down and give them a word from God? Give them something that, that the, the generations can stand on. What about these gifts that the Lord has given us? I'm not willing to treat those things with contempt. Not in my life, not in your life. But we need to apply diligence to making those things happen. Verse 15. This is where this message started for me. It's where we're going to end it. Let me get that slide, Megan. It says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone who sees, everyone may see your progress. That, that be diligent in is to take pains. It's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be, a, uh, it's supposed to be some blood in the offering. We're supposed to have the same kind of sacrifice that Moses gave, that, that, that Noah gave. That, that Jesus gave a sacrifice that he took pains to do what God had showed him to do. And then what's the second part of that? Get lost in them. Be absorbed in them. I, I'm done. I'm done getting lost in, in my own thoughts. I'm done getting lost in discouragement. I'm done getting lost in comparison. I want to get lost in who God has called me to be. What about you? Or do you want to get lost in the call that God has on your life? Because he has one for every last one of you. Ask yourself. What, what do you need to do? What, what, what is God calling you to do right now to see that happen? What's keeping you from that? We, we about to, y'all go ahead and stand up. We, we about to pray. And we going to open up these altars. And the truth is, this word is, is, is for the Lord. So, uh, it's, it's not about me. And we can hear this. We can hear a word like this just like we do all the time. Hear it and do nothing with it. And today will just be Wednesday. And then you'll continue to be worn out by the things that aren't from God. Or we can make a decision right now with, with salvation desperation to put these things into practice. We can make a decision right now with salvation desperation crying out to God, Lord, I know I, these things are in my life and I need you to drive them out. Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you cleanse me? When, when we start to pray, run, run to the altar, but run in your hearts. Run, run, to the, run to God in your hearts and find out what pleases the Lord because that is what is what going to give you life. Mighty God, we love you. Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, Lord. God, that convicts us and moves us, Lord. God, we're praying, Lord, that we would see these things show up in our actions, Father. Lord, we're praying, God, that you would come with your, with your renewal water, God, and that you would renew the callings that you placed on our life. Lord, that you would renew the things that you've done for us, Lord. Lord, lead us into that pleasing place, God, where we can please you, Lord. We thank you, Father.